Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A warm welcome to the Parent Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Alcourie. And hi, I'm Seema Barker. Now, we have such an exciting show for you this evening. We're going to be talking to Professor Roz Shafran. Now, she's one of the world's leading experts on perfectionism. Now, when I was growing up, perfectionism was generally a compliment and it was something that children aspired to be known as. And schools generally push children to strive for perfection. But what we're talking about in the show tonight is what happens when perfectionism stops being a healthy aspiration. And we're going to explore this potential mental health problem with Professor Shafran, who is Professor of Translational Psychology at the UCL Great Ormond Street Institute of Child Health and is a clinical psychologist. She's one of the world's leading experts on perfectionism. Dr. Shafran's clinical interests include cognitive behaviour behavioural therapies, Um, and treatment of anxiety disorders, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders and perfectionism across the range. She is the recipient of an award for distinguished contributions to professional psychology and from the British Psychological Society and the Making a Difference Award from Positive Practice. Dr. Shafran is the editor of the Complete CBT Guide to Anxiety and has written Overcoming Perfectionism, a Self-Help Guide to Using Cognitive Behavioural Techniques. And not least, she's a mom of three children. So that's quite a lot of quite a lot of strings to your bow. Professor Shafran, welcome to the Parents Show. Thank you for having me. It's it's a real pleasure to have you on this evening. Now I know a lot of people will just associate perfectionism as a great thing and that's something that they want to be. So talk to us a little bit about that. So within the field there is recognition that uh, there can be positive aspects to perfectionism and that having high standards, having high aspirations can really help people to achieve and achievement is valued in society, um, brings lots of rewards, and there is nothing inherently bad or wrong about wanting to be successful, wanting to to achieve a lot. But the difference is between a sort of a healthy striving for excellence and a pathological kind of perfectionism. So with healthy striving for excellence, you have very high standards, but people are able to learn from their mistakes If there's uncertainty, they're able to tolerate it, and they're able to be quite objective about their achievements. So when they achieve something, they're able to congratulate themselves, say, you know what, I deserve that, I worked hard for that. Um, And ultimately, their, their goals are achievable. With a more sort of unhealthy kind of perfectionism where clinicians get involved and it can cause mental health problems, it isn't that the problem, that the standard per se is, is the problem, but it's just the reaction to mistakes. Instead of learning from them, people with this unhealthy perfectionism tend to catastrophize. Oh no, I'm terrible, I'll never be a success, I need to work harder. Um, they find the uncertainty that goes along with perfectionism and wanting to achieve very difficult to handle. And they're going around with a constant view of themselves as a failure. They're constantly on the lookout for failure, 
for where they haven't achieved, um, looking for flaws, and that they feel bad about themselves as people, as a person, when their standards are not achieved. So the difference really isn't the level of the standard. The difficulty is around um, beliefs around that standard and views of yourself when you can't achieve those standards. I see that that's really clear the difference between the two and how can you tell if someone has clinical perfectionism and and what parents can uh, what what kind of symptoms can parents look out for so with the kind of perfectionism that's posing a problem m- commonly what happens in a in a clinical setting is that somebody will be um, anxious or they'll be depressed or they'll be worrying all the time um, they might be Um, exhibiting some symptoms of eating problems and it's usually those things that that command the attention rather than the perfectionism per se we do definitely have parents who say you know my daughter comes in and she does her homework and I've told her it's enough but she's working till 10 11 at night and she's exhausted and the teachers are telling her you know you're you're just working too hard it's too much you need to relax you need to give yourself time off but she's working more than the teachers say, she can't stop herself. So when it feels like it's out of control, that's obviously a time to be concerned when there's no relaxation um, and it's all sort of really very focused in one area of typically work um, for school children. That's a great identifiable thing that for, for parents to look at when it's out of control and there's no kind of le- no let up, it, there's no room yeah. for relaxation. Great, that, that's going to help parents a great deal. And, I mean, is it associated with other, can we call it a mental health disorder and other mental health disorders? So it's not classified as a mental health disorder, but it is associated with mental health disorders. It's associated with lots of difficulties. So um, anxiety, eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive problems, and depression and it's very tiring to be striving all the time to be on the lookout for mistakes and it's demoralizing and so that there's lots of associations and and sort of indications that perfectionism can be a risk factor for the development of problems such as depression and problems such as anorexia nervosa so um, it's associated with physical health problems too um, things like chronic fatigue um, lots of sort of all or nothing thinking so there's definitely an association between um, the kind of unhelpful perfectionism that we were talking about before and struggles with mental health and um, that's that's great can i ask now you've described this clinical perfectionism um the reaction is to someone's the individual's own standards would it also play out by looking at other people's standards and, and, and criticising other people? So um, there are different... The field of perfectionism has sort of different perspectives on it, but the kind of unhelpful, maladaptive perfectionism has been looked at in, in different ways. And one of those ways is about sort of your own standards, but also having high standards for other people and the belief that other people have high standards for you. So um, some people certainly do have very high standards for other people and high expectations, and they feel quite let down when people don't live up to those expectations. They would say, well, I would do it for her, and she doesn't do it for me. Um, What kind of friend is she? So 
it can cause a lot of problems in the interpersonal domain. It can cause a lot of marital problems as well. Um, but also the idea that other people have high standards for you and you can never meet other people's expectations, even if that's not really how other people view it, that can be very difficult to live with and cause problems. So um, those, those different forms of perfectionism have certainly been identified and talked about. And um, Roz, when you say that it's a risk factor, does that mean it usually comes before any of the other um, mental health disorders that you mentioned, like anxiety, OCD, eating disorders. And in that respect, is it a kind of something that parents should watch out for and get attention to as quickly as possible so things don't develop to full-blown mental health disorders? We, we don't have lots and lots of very good studies over very long periods of time to be able to answer that question confidently. But the research that we have where we've asked people... Um, and followed some people over relatively short periods of time have shown that if you have high levels of perfectionism um, at time point one then you're more likely to have um, eating problems or depression l later down the line compared to your peers that didn't have high levels of perfectionism so I wouldn't want to say every child with, you know, every child with perfectionism and that's a worry and a concern and you need to look out for it. And there will be some people who, um, for example, with chronic fatigue, perhaps who the perfectionism develops as a response to um, feeling very tired, feeling unable to do things, um, and then wanting to make the most of the time when they feel a little bit better. So it is a risk factor, but I'm not sure that I would confidently be able to say that it, it always goes in one direction and you need to be very concerned because sometimes the same kind of things that, that are helpful in one situation can be unhelpful in, in another, so it's quite complicated. So, for example, if you're trying to be the best dieter ever and you want to be the best at losing weight or the best at exercising and you exercise despite injury, that's going to be inherently sort of more problematic perhaps than if you're really focusing on practicing your musical instrument a great deal or practicing your or doing a lot of homework so the, the area in which you're a perfectionist is really quite important in terms of the kind of concerns that you might have that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense and is really helpful um, and what kind of a role does self-esteem and self-criticism have to play People with perfectionism tend to be um, very self-critical um, and more critical of themselves than they would be of other people um, under the same circumstances. And sometimes people believe people with perfectionism believe that their self-criticism is actually quite helpful, that it keeps them on their toes and it gives them the edge and it makes them more likely to achieve, whereas that, that actually isn't the case. The research doesn't support that view. So there's definitely an association. And with self-esteem, there's also an association. And some people would say that if you feel bad about yourself, then the perfectionism sort of is a compensatory strategy for that. So if I try and be perfect, people won't really know how bad I am underneath. Um, so there's a school of thought that they're related in that way. And there's definitely an association between self-esteem and perfectionism as well. Right. And, and can children... Um teens, grown-ups, adults be treated for perfectionism? Um, so we, we do have interventions that, that are helpful in reducing perfectionism. Um, they're not sort of typically, I think if you go 
to your doctor and you say, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, you know, how high would you get up on the waiting list for some of the clinical services? I'm not really sure. Yeah. It depends on the kind of other difficulties that are being associated. But we do have treatments, um, these cognitive behavioural treatments that work, and um, reading the self-help book works. With guidance, it works even better, um, and it works when it's delivered over the internet. But those aren't sort of very widely available treatments yet. You can't just Google the treatment and have it on the internet at this point because it's still sort of in development. But the kind of techniques that are described in in the sort of self-help books are pretty effective, and we've shown that in scientific studies both here in Sweden and also in Australia. Excellent. And if you treat a child or or a teenager um, with for for um, perfectionism, can they improve and then you know relapse get you know, and, yeah. and get better again. How how does it generally work? Is there any kind of a pattern to it? So most of the work has been done in adults. So the internet-based treatments I was just talking about, um, and in Australia and in England, most of it um, has been done in adults. And we really don't have the research to, to for me to be able to answer that question properly in terms of the effectiveness of the treatment for children and young people and also the long-term benefits um, what we we know from the adult work is that um, it's at least sort of at six months to one year, um, those, those gains do seem to be maintained. But of course, some people will relapse. Um, and for some people, it depends on what's going on in their life and what their circumstances are. Of course. And and has that, uh, the fact that it's been done in adults, is that because it's a newer treatment, because it's a newer concept, and simply because they haven't doing more with adults now as opposed to children, because it hasn't it hasn't been picked up as much in children and teenagers. I think it, it's definitely a newer treatment than perhaps some of the the treatments for the the more recognised problems such as um, depression or anxiety that are recognised as mental health disorders. There's sort of more funding for that. And it goes back a bit to your original question, which was, you know, well, what's the problem with perfectionism? So there's some view that it's still, you know, not necessarily a, a problem. So it's definitely been slower to get off the ground. I think it's easier to do research in um, adults in many ways. And also it's, it, it, it's probably just the kind of the, the people that have done the research have, have been adult researchers more than child researchers um, and the work in, in the personality area in terms of perfectionism as a personality characteristic again they're predominantly adult researchers so I think that there's lots of different reasons what's being done more and more for young people is sort of prevention programs in schools so Professor Tracy Wade in Australia has developed interventions for schools um, where they where they talk about perfectionism and um, a couple of sort of teaching sessions and they've shown really quite positive benefits um, over um, re- over a, you know, a relatively short period of intervention. And is there an age or a gender when this is more likely to manifest itself? So we don't really have the data to show that, um, so we don't have large prevalence studies um, showing that. Um, it, it's difficult because... As, as you know, eating disorders, for example, are more common in women yeah. than in men, yeah. and therefore something like perfectionism is more common 
in women with eating disorders than men because eating disorders are more common. So there, yeah. there's sort of some complexities around the kind of associations with the mental health disorder that, that do come up with perfectionism. That that um, that's really helpful, Professor Shaffron. And what pa- what tips would you give parents who suspect their child might have clinical perfectionism? What would be the first protocol? So I think it's very difficult when you are when you you want your child to succeed and it's valued, and they get lots of good reports about how hard they're working, and you're thinking, well, do I really want to jeopardise this? And I think it's really clear to say that the treatment for perfectionism doesn't involve sort of lowering your standards. It doesn't involve turning people into slobs or taking away from their achievement. And if anything, it really helps people achieve, but with less pain and less stress. Um, it, it's difficult to do what you would normally suggest about going to your GP, but obviously if there are mental health problems and anxiety and depression and concerns with eating, then the GP is a good place to start and if you've got concerns going to the GP but I think typically going into schools and talking to the teachers talking to the school counsellors can be helpful and schools I think have a real feel for the difference between healthy striving and very stressed out pupils Um, (laughs) and so school will be able to help support whatever initiatives there are at home so for example stopping your work after a certain period of time and just trying to get it done in the time allocated rather than keeping on doing it until it feels right. But um, that, that's really... I've got int- more tips. Oh, go, go for it. <laughs> go for it. So I think also one of the things with perfectionism is that people are doing things over and over and over again. They're trying to be very thorough. They're doing things repeatedly in order to find the right word for their essay, in order to get it just right. So um, I think trying to decrease the repeatedly doing things, making it right, the crossings out, the finding the right word, the retyping, and just trying to give in a first draft and seeing what the teachers say and working with the school for that to say, actually, the difference between your first draft and your tenth draft really wasn't very much or it wouldn't be very much and it's certainly not worth all the extra hours. And what else could you be doing in that time that's going to help your mood you can see your friends it's very isolating having perfectionism because of the time that it takes up so seeing friends going out doing things that are not subject to achievement and evaluation all of these are good things to encourage in your children so so can i just ask professor on that point from a practical point of view your child is is um showing exactly those kind of traits being very uh, you know spending a very long time on a piece of homework and uh, or, or always doing that and i think a fear from a parent might be to bring that up is being critical of them when that is something that they are proud of um how how can that be handled because obviously it needs to be handled delicately how can that be handled without making your child fear that their behavior is somehow wrong it is definitely difficult and it's definitely challenging but I think the reality of having somebody in their room all night will be that you're probably having some arguments over going to bed anyway right it's yeah. not, and, and therefore it isn't as though it, it's a sort of it's an issue that 
you're broaching in a way that hasn't come up. But I think it's about choosing the right time to have a discussion. So it's not at 11 o'clock at night when you're trying to drag them to bed and they don't feel their homework is right and you're exhausted and you want to go to bed and then you say, God, can't you ever just stop doing it, you know, in, in anger. That's, that's probably not helpful. But taking some time to say, I'm concerned that perhaps you're working too hard and it's making you tired. And can we think together about what we can do to try and help you, you know, keep on top of your work, do it well, and yet for you to still be able to get to bed at a reasonable time. Right. Or and watch Bake Off or whatever. <laughs> that's, you know, that's being yeah. sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, real, real, like, uh, almost a distraction from that, I suppose, as well, it would be, help. Yeah, I think it's choosing your time to broach the difficult subjects is really important when, when you as a parent are not exhausted, when other children are not around, um, when it's, it's harmonious and you've got the, the time and the space. And that's, that often needs planning because it doesn't happen, you know, routinely in many of our lives. But just say, this is, you know, this is something that I think would be helpful for us to talk about. How do you feel about going to bed at 11 o'clock? And they're going to be being upset about things and feeling they've got things wrong. And talking about how you can help with that, I think, is, is, is not seen as critical. It's seen as helpful. Right. Okay. Well, that, that, that is actually very helpful um, to all of us parents. And, and um, I know this is a new area of clinical study, but I'm just wondering, how much do you know about the causes of this, whether it is environmental or whether there is any possibility that it is genetic? Um, so there's, there's, as you said, it's not a massive, massively well-researched area, and it does depend on your definitions and how you measure perfectionism and all those sorts of things. But it does seem as though there's likely to be a genetic component and an environmental component too. So that um, as with lots of the mental health problems, that certainly you can have a genetic vulnerability, but the environment that you're in will make a difference as well. So they come together. Right. And I, and I wonder, do you, is it something about our society? Um, is there something about the way we live? I'm just wondering whether you have an opinion on this um, with regard that, that that increases the pressure on children, perhaps, to strive for such a high level of... I mean, uh, you know, I didn't even ever think about different levels of perfectionism, but now I am starting to think that that, that there is obviously an extreme level. Um, and, and, and are we all part of that somehow? I think there's, there's a lot of um, trans transparency about achievements now and a lot of um you're much more aware of how other people are doing and what they're doing all the time so if we take it say something like social media then in some ways how many likes you have can be considered to be an achievement the more likes you have the more popular you are the more you've achieved yeah so um that was not there you know five yeah. years ago or, or and so there are just many more areas that are important to young people in which achievement is, is, is part of that and doing well and being popular and looking a particular way and you know, always looking, looking perfect, um, being good at sport, being good at drama. All of these things are very public and there's lots of comparisons. So I think there, there is more sort of 
comparisons and focus on achievement in lots of different domains. And of course, school league tables and your GCSE results and all of those sorts of things. Um, and although I think schools do make an effort to decrease that comparison, so many schools now, you know, wouldn't give a particular mark um, so that you, and they don't list children in terms of, oh, well, you're top of the class and you're bottom of the class. Um, I think children still are aware of where they are and where they fall in comparison to their peers. Does that answer your question? No, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that. That's really good. And and talking of scores, you mentioned scores. Um, obviously, like you say, you know there is a bit of a push. You you also told us that schools are very good. What what would you now say to any teachers that are listening or head teachers that are listening about working with children? Because it's obviously a fine balance. They are, they, it's it's their profession to try yeah. to get the best from our children. Um, but at the same time, we live in a society, as you've already said, which perhaps puts more stress on on achievement now and because we're more aware of everybody's achievement. How do teachers and head teachers, what, what would you recommend for them to get, to get that balance? So, I mean, I think schools have the same goals as parents, which is to get the best from their children and to produce children that do achieve, do reach their potential, both academically, but also more broadly as people and developing people and to go into the world confident and equipped to deal with, um, with life and the challenges that life throws. And I think not all schools, but some schools are able to distinguish between the healthy striving for excellence and when it's positive and when it, um, when it isn't. And so I think some of the schools sort of feel threatened uh, that if they reduce the focus on striving, that somehow it will impact on their grades and the league tables. But actually reducing perfectionism, reducing the focus on achievement and focusing on some of the positives, being able to learn from your mistakes and encouraging mistakes and encouraging any question, there's no such thing as a stupid question, all of those things as a whole school approach can be very helpful so i think that really bearing in mind that that helping perfectionism does not mean lowering standards that's really the key yep. that um that it's actually you don't forgo achievement you you are more likely if anything to to get more achievement but at less pain and less cost and no school wants to have stressed out children who are scared and worried and unable to focus. So I think we are all working together to, to, to maximize achievement because that's valued in today's society and there's nothing wrong with the healthy striving for the excellence and meeting your potential, but at the same time trying to decrease the, the sort of the pressure and the cost and the, the reaction to mistakes and being able to tolerate when things don't go the way that, that you might have hoped. Excellent. And Roz, do you mind, uh, I, we've had a, li a listener text in a question and we've had two other questions that a, a listener sent in earlier today. Do you mind if I completely put you on the spot and see? Put me on the spot, that's fine. <laughs> so the one that's just been texted in, it says, um, oh, hello, I have a question. How do you cope with what I call perfectionist outbursts? Almost like a catastrophic panic attack. Now, I told you I was putting you on the spot. Okay, so it's very difficult. Um, 
I, that it is not the time in the middle of the meltdown, panic attack, you know, distress and that intensity of distress to, to start challenging those thoughts. Um, it, the question is, how do you help, that, help your child calm down first? And it, I mean, it does depend on, on exactly what they're melting down over, but let's say you're, you're melting down over work and you can't get it right and it's now late, so you've got, they're tired, they may be hungry because um, they haven't eaten properly because they've just come straight from work and they can't get it right and you're trying to get them to bed and they're completely just have lost it. it. It is just about anything you can do to soothe your child and help them calm down at that point, not to, not to challenge the cat, cat, catastrophizing or challenge what they're thinking or argue with them about the work or tell them that it's good enough or tell them that the teacher won't mind just about how whatever you know to calm your child and whether or not that is just leaving them for a while until they calm down which works for some children um, for others it might aggravate them more um, whether or not it's just saying some soothing words um, whether it's bringing the family pet into the room to help bring some comfort I think every parent has their own strategies that they might use to just try and calm their children down, and those are the ones that would come into play. That but sounds... make sure you're calm first, because <laughs> <they do. laughs> then it's much. If you're not calm, it's really hard yeah. to do it. But uh, calm yourself, and then be able to calm your child. Absolutely, and so it sounds like kindness plays quite a big role. Like kind of put away, put the drama aside and out of your head, and just use your heart to what your child needs, just yeah. to to dial it down. Anything, yes. Fantastic, great. So the other questions are, I think we've kind of touched on them, but I'll just run them past you. Could we have advice on how to prepare academically able children who are perfectionists to cope with the demands of university where many will also be academically able? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we haven't touched on, I suppose, is is the children that get so frightened of failure that they avoid doing anything at all. And that can be a problem in that transition from school to university. So... Um, I don't know that you can really prepare somebody who's been very academically able and is going into an environment where there are other academically able people, except for to bring out the fact that it's a whole, they're a whole person. So the academic is part of it, and they've been, they're very able academically, and that's great. But what else is it that makes them of value? Um, and is it their sense of humor? Is it their kindness? Is it their integrity? Is it their patience? So I think just emphasizing the whole person really takes away from that focus on achievement because no matter what, even that there are always going to be people that are cleverer than you. Yeah. I mean, there just are. Yeah. It's just the... incredibly clever people in the world and you'll meet them and comparing yourself to others is, is not a helpful thing in any situation. So I think it's preparing them by reducing comparisons and bringing out their unique qualities that make them of value as a person. That's 
excellent advice and so rational and sane and great support for parents and the, it's the easier la- said than done though isn't it, it, it <laughs> well, the, but the best that you've got to have somewhere to start from and even if you know if it's very difficult at least you know what the starting point is a, as a parent and that's what we all need and are, are desperate for i'll just ask the last question and i'm very much aware that we've taken up a lot of your evening it the last question is, is there a link between OCD, perfectionism and social anxiety and how should parents help children who don't see a problem exists or feel they need help? Individuals would rather stay at home than risk going out. That touches on your point of not doing anything because you might fail at it. Yeah. So there is a link between perfectionism and, um, and OCD and between perfectionism and social anxiety and the sort of the the avoidance aspect, which is a big part of perfectionism, and also um, procrastination, which is also associated with perfectionism. And how do you encourage somebody to go out when they really don't want to? It's very challenging, but I think it's about breaking things down and making the going out to be relatively unthreatening. So it would depend on the reason they they don't want to go out. If if they're not going out because of their social anxiety and they're worried about saying something or doing something stupid, I think it really is the time to think, well, what help can we get? Because the developmental years and the going out and the, the, the parties and the socialising are really important developmental stages. And to spend your teenage years in when you really want to go out and you're just frightened to, is a dreadful shame when there are very good treatments for social anxiety that we know are effective. So I think encouraging your child to get some help for the social anxiety and help to to go out is probably the best place to start. Excellent. Thank you so much. Now, we'll put um, links to your book because I think that's a perfect link there. to to on our Facebook page, so it's overcoming perfectionism: a self help guide to uh, using CBT, uh, cognitive behavioural techniques, and we'll put a link on our Facebook page now for anybody to have a look at. That's available on Amazon, isn't it, Ros? That sounds like a plug. There is a new edition coming out, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, at some point next year. So people might want to hold off for that, but it's not it's not very different. But yes. Thank you for the plug. Oh, of course. I I mean, it's there. It's support. And and I know that's why you've written it is for parents to get that support. So thank you very much indeed for that and for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. -bye. Right. That was uh, Professor Roz Shaffron um, from from Great Ormond Street. Uh, Institute at uh, the UCL Great Ormond Street Institute of Child Health and that was fantastic help for any parent out there trying to understand um, the complexities of perfectionism. Well it's 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 more than that isn't it it's really good to have that reminder of we've all been there with outbursts and it's not necessarily related to clinical perfectionism with the outburst from the child and actually that very helpful reminder the first thing to do is be kind calm them use all the strategies to calm them down and um yeah it's 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 uh, an absolute golden rule uh with all parenting today um so so i'm glad she reminded us of that and it's also quite nice to uh you know to encourage your children to go out and not just think about academic achievements i think yeah. that's also a, a really healthy thing in 
when we know children are being uh, encouraged at school to do well all the time. Yeah, absolutely. We're coming towards the end of our show now and uh, I just want to say a huge thanks to Professor Roz Shaffron for her insight on perfectionism. I think it was incredibly helpful and um, if you're listening on the podcast um, in a few weeks' time, I, I, I hope you've got as much out of it as we have. Uh, have a lovely evening and we're back next week from 8 to 9pm. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.